Greek, first of all, is when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, Matt, we've looked at the schedule. We have come out with where we think Louisville ends in terms of a win-loss number. We've kind of talked about the expectations and what we expect out of the football team. Now let's have some fun. Let's let's introduce the uh, the state of Louisville from the Pink Seats pod fans to Matt Stradamus. We're going to talk about the future and what we see with Louisville football. Uh, I want to start with some bold predictions. We've both written about this a couple of times this season, and I want to, I want to take turns just kind of rattling off our top bold predictions for the season. So, Matt – Let's do three each, if that's okay with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have your piece handy in front of you. I'll let you get that pulled up. I've got mine sitting here, so right, I can start. I got, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Matt, let's talk about your first bold prediction for the 2021 season for the Louisville football. I predict, I know listeners can't see it, but I'm doing my best Nostradamus impression. I'm terrible at acting, so I'll just stop Ooh, doing it now. Matt Stradamus. Bold prediction Ooh. number one. Why do I sound like a ghost? I don't know. <laughs> the offense will feature a thousand-yard rusher or receiver. I'm sticking to that because I think while we ha- there is a bunch of relatively unproven depth at both of these spots, I mean, the wide receiver room is a little bit on the thin side because there's only eight scholarship guys in that room, but – You've got to feel good about where you are with the running backs. You've got to feel good about the potential about some of the guys in the wide receiver room. I, I It'll take a few games. It's it's not going to be like smooth sailing right out of the gates with with finding with, – with, I know Willie Cunningham has developed a rapport with his guys up to this point, so I'm not saying that's not going to be there. But game speed is a lot different from practice. I mean, anyone will tell you that. So I think it'll take a few games for – Cunningham to really truly develop an in-game rapport with who his quote-unquote top target is going to be but I think eventually someone is going to take up the reins and said this is my team this is my room give me the damn ball who is it going to be I don't know could be Braden Smith could be Jordan Watkins could be shy words could be a Mario Huggins Ruth I don't have a damn clue who it's going to be hell Jalen Mitchell could, could be like hey we're going to run ball in first and every time no problem and he could just go go to work I, I truly think that someone on this team, I mean, are we going to have 2,000? Are we going to have a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver like we had 19? No, I don't think so. But I think we'll have at least one guy crack the 1K mark. It's interesting that Louisville in their first year with Scott Satterfield had an a thousand yard rusher and receiver, considering he hadn't even done that at App State. Uh, that's just kind of speaks to the talent that was left behind for him um, at the skill position. I, I, this isn't my prediction, but I actually predicted that they won't have either. I think that both positions are deep enough to where you're going to have so much spread out. Um, and, you know, you're going to have, you know, the Braden Smith, Shea Wirtz, the, the Jalen Mitchells and Hassan Halls and Trevion Cooley's. These guys are going to all play a lot and it's just going to be really hard for them to all stack up crazy enough statistics to be able to get to that point. All right. My special or my prediction, number one, uh, I am not Matt Stradamus. Jacob Stradamus doesn't sound right, but Louisville has multiple special teams touchdowns. I think that um, that was one thing last year that really hurt Louisville was the lack of special teams. Um, I don't want to call it boost, but they, they literally had nothing there. I've never understood the, the concept of putting Rajay Burns back to return punts. I get he was really sure-handed. I mean, he was a guy who caught the football a lot, but you didn't. You essentially got nothing out of the punt return game. Um, on the kickoff return game, they, they never really got much of a, 
uh, big return. I think they did have one that was called back at one point in the season, but um, in the last two, two seasons before that, just one kickoff return um, from Hassan Hall in each season. So they've not really done anything dating all the way back to 2018. I think this is the year that they get back to being a, a force on special teams. I think Hassan Hall showed in 2018 and 19 that if he's healthy, he is a dynamic kickoff returner. I've got him returning two kickoff returns. Uh, and then in, in terms of a punt return this year, there are so many different options that you could throw back there. Uh, you've got Jawar Jordan from Syracuse who just transferred here. He is so fast that I could see him being an option. You've got Jordan Watkins. You've got Amari Huggins-Bruce. You could even put some corners back there. There are really some speedy guys that you could put out there. Um, and then on the other side of things, you know, Louisville last year didn't do a very good job of, you know, pinning teams deep of making turnovers. I think that we're going to see some big special teams plays this season. Uh, that's my, that's my first prediction, Matt, Matt Stradamus, please give us your second prediction. Matt Stradamus prediction. Number two, the ghost is back. Kyshaw Clark will be named an all American. Hey, I got that one too, Matt. Hey, we agreed on something. I mean, not that we didn't agree on our predictions, but Hey, we're on the same wavelength, but based on what we saw last season. Now let me preface this by saying Kyshaw Clark joined the Louisville program like a week before fall camp. And he, in just a short amount of time with getting acclimated with the system, he looked like one of the best man-to-man cover corners in the ACC. He's probably Louisville's best man-to-man cover corner since Jair Alexander. And he did that with just like a month's time to get like some familiar with the Louisville's surroundings and the system and yada, yada, yada. Now that he's got an entire year in the offseason and another another year with the program, another year with experience at the Power 5 level, this, he could have, like using his words, he could be dangerous in 2021. He truthfully, now there's he's going to be assisted by a lot of other guys in the secondary who are going to be really good. I'm high on Ken Derek Duncan. I'm high on Quintero Cole, especially Cole. He looks like a damn linebacker. But, I mean – out of all of those guys, I think Clark would pro- will be heads and shoulders above them to the point where is he going to be like a first team All American? I don't think so because there's a lot of a lot of guys out there who are really good. And the the, media, the national media is especially high on Derek Stingley Jr. for some reason. I'm sure he's good, but I haven't done the research into him. Could he be like an honorable mention All American or a third teamer? Absolutely, he could. Yeah, the key for him is what we've been saying all along. Catch those interceptions, and it's a completely different ball game. Catch the damn ball. <laughs> uh, he is the guy that should be spending more time on the jugs machine than anybody else. No offense to him. It's just he's gonna he's the guy. Like he's the he's the, the guy. The one thing I, I worry about with him on that prediction is just the the lack of targets to his side of the field. Uh, I do think obviously he's a lockdown corner. There's a lot of programs in the country that maybe will have to test that before they believe that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what the opportunities are going to look like compared to last year. But I do have him as an All-American because he is going to be Jair Alexander 2.0 for Louisville locking down a side of the field. All right, my second prediction, Matt, I'm going to go to the offensive side of the football. Marshawn Ford emer- emerges as a premier ACC tight end. You may be thinking, well, isn't he already a premier ACC tight end? He led uh, the ACC in touchdown catches for tight ends in 2019. Last year, he was you know dynamic, went on the field, made big plays, scored touchdowns. Uh, that's all true, but he is not uh, taking the step in terms of a ACC at the, at the top level, um, you know, be a first team type of guy. He's not quite gotten there yet. And this year, the opportunity will be there for him to do so. Why I think of that is because I personally believe he's going to be Malik Cunningham's go-to target. He is the guy that I think that will, um, 
find a way to be open enough the majority of the time for his targets to connect. And what you need as a quarterback with, a, with your receivers is a rapport with a guy that, or, you know, a rapport with, with your top dog who, you know, I can go to this guy no matter what, and he will catch the football and make a play this season. Marshawn Ford is the, the most uh, experienced and returning wide out that Louisville has. He's been playing in the lineup for two years. Um, just about every game when he's been healthy, he's got ver- versatility in the fact that he can play at tight end on the line and block. He can play as the H back. We obviously know about the bootleg that goes to him um, that scores. It feels like 100 percent of the time. He is a guy this season that I expect to take full advantage of the uh, lack of top dog in the receiver room, become the top connection with Malik Cunningham. I think he leads Louisville in touchdowns this year, and I think that he leads the ACC in touchdowns again for a tight end. I think he will be a first or second All-ACC player this year and a guy that potentially could be drafted by season's end because of his ability to do two things, that is block and score touchdowns. I think he's he's truly going to be able to cement himself as one of the top receiving talents in the ACC. Like, but not like you said, not that he's he's not, but he there's been a lot of tight ends in front of them who have gotten a lot more love. Because like I know last season Brevin Jordan got like the first team All ACC nod, the guy down in Miami, and I think there's I can't remember who ranks like the top five returning tight ends in the ACC, but I think Ford was like fourth or fifth. So like there's there's a lot of like solid tight ends in the league, but. With Marshawn Ford getting a, a bigger role, a bigger responsibility this year, a bigger role in the offense, he he's going to put he's already put up solid numbers for a tight end in the past in the past two seasons. But I think th- this season he's truly going to submit himself into like true that wide receiver tight end hybrid and put himself on the national map. All right, my third prediction. I'm going to go back to back here, and I will let the the great and holy Master Domus finish us off here. Uh, but with my third prediction. I have a number of different ways I could go with this. I've got 25 of them that I just wrote about. So obviously I have plenty to choose from, but I'm going to go with this one because I think this is another one of those keys to unlock earning the trust back with Louisville football fans. Uh, My prediction that I originally wrote was that Scott Satterfield and the Louisville staff will flip a top 300 recruit, giving them their highest rated recruit of their time here at Louisville. Uh, I'm going to put a caveat on that and say a top 300 recruit or a five, a former five-star transfer. The transfer portal is something that they are going to use just as much as potentially going back to the high school ranks to finish up the class of 2022. We've seen what players do in the portal, how quickly they are to go to that. We saw the success that Louisville had this offseason with landing really productive guys like, you know, Jock Turner from, from Southern Miss, uh, you know, Quinterio Cole, Kendrick Duncan, Shao Words. So they have shown that they can land players. Um, and even on the high school side of things, they've landed a lot of really good talent so far since they've been here, but they have not landed that guy, you know, that, that guy that you can point at to say that is a five-star player, a top 300. That is the guy who has the potential to be, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater or a, um, you know, a, that kind of magnitude of recruit, obviously by quarterback. So he's a little bit higher magnitude, but I think that what we're going to see is Louisville win football games. And Matt, I believe that Scott Satterfield and the Louisville football recruiting staff have won the recruiting battles the most or for the best players when they've won football games. And I know that's like a dub. Well, yeah, but when Louisville (laughs) won their first season, they ripped off those couple of big wins, BC being one of them. That's when we saw Jordan Watkins come into the fold. That's when we saw Christian Fitzpatrick come into the fold. That's when they flipped Lovey Jenkins from Tennessee. So we've seen them flip players when they win football games. And I think we'll see that again this year. And they get that top guy that, that really kind of shuts down the, they could never land that player conversation. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. I mean, it's not like they haven't tried to insert themselves with some of the top talent in the nation. I mean, heck, look at their class of 2022. They've already landed a top, 
like 350 top 400 type talent in Popeye Williams. I actually think he is top 300 in according to ESPN. So it's not like they haven't tried to land some of these top 300 guys or even actually been successful in doing so. It's just that, I mean, he's still trying to develop his recruiting repertoire at the P5 level after doing it for so long in the group five. Um, But as far as like being able to flip a top 300 guy, I, I don't question it. I, I can see it happening. Who exactly they're going to do. I'm not hundred percent sure because there's so many question marks regarding like how many actual scholarships they have yep. for the, for the 2022 cycle. I mean, I think at media day Satterfield, he said about 10 to 12, depending on who all decides to transfer, who all decides to go to the NFL. I, I'm not going to try and pro- project who they're going to flip or even what position, because there's just so many unknowns with like what the roster is going to look like for next season, let alone this season. Matt Stradamus number three. Ooh, this, you, okay, real quick. Did you ever watch SpongeBob as a kid? I, I oh, absolutely. Answer. Okay, do you remember the episode where uh, Mr. Krabs pretends he's a ghost of, I forget who it was, but, and he, he wears the hat and he says, he was number, number one. one. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Probably you're about to say I sounded like the Flying Dutchman or something. <laughs> anyways, go on. But anyways, number th- one. This one is a little bit bolder than the others, but I think it's still very much attainable. The team will sport a positive turnover margin. Now, a lot of people are going to hear me say that and be like, "You're an idiot," especially when Louisville lost 24 turnovers only had 12 of their own. So they had the second worst turnover margin in the nation, second only to Duke. But when you look, when you peel back the layers and see just truly how unlucky Louisville was in, and when it comes to coughing the ball up, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think it was on first and second down with the score, not uh, with, uh, not within 16 points, basically, uh, situations where turnovers are more so prone because of luck and not so aggressive play. Lova had the worst turnover margin in the nation at like negative nine. And just for comparative comparison's sake, the luckiest team in the nation in that situation was freaking Syracuse and look how, how well that did them. So I think it, it's like I've said in the episode pr- uh, previously, Louisville's not going to have the same bad turnover luck they had last season. That is, that's just not going to happen. If, if it does happen, someone placed a curse on, on the program. Maybe Bobby Petrino did some sort of voodoo magic before he got canned, but I digress. But in compared with uh, Malik Cunningham, seems like he's taken a completely different approach to become being a quarterback. It seems the defense has been working on a turnover circuit every single day in practice, working on like not only generating turnovers, but putting themselves in situations to create them. I truly think, I mean, the turnover margin at, at the end of the 2021 season could be one. But that, that's improvement over last year. That's for damn sure. I, I I don't think it's going to be like a gaudy like turnover like plus turnover margin. I think it's going to be like in the low single digits. But I do think that there, there's no way they're going to be as bad in this department as they were last year. And they're going to make some major improvements on both sides of the ball when it comes to keeping the ball and taking the ball away. I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, if that if they have that statistic alone and they don't get any better at anything else across the field, which isn't going to happen. So, but if it's just that one stat alone, they don't get any better. I I'm excited because that means that they're forcing turnovers and they're not turning the football over, which is what they did not do last year. And last year, that's why they lost football games. It's simple. It is simple math. You, if you give the football up more than you get it back, 
you're going to lose football games. You might still have an off, an off, you know, an explosion on offense. You might still have a decent defense, but it comes down to if you cannot protect the football, you're not going to win the game. Case in point, yesterday, Nebraska, Illinois, yuck. You don't want to be the team forcing <laughs> up the football at the very last minute to a game-winning walk-off interception. You don't want to be that team. You want to be the it's, team on the other side. It's funny you mentioned Nebraska. How bad was Luke McCaffrey, actually, if he couldn't win out a job against Adrian Martinez? I you, mean, said that's you said it. You said it. I, you, you're I'm, right. You I'm just it. saying. because Somebody I, I, send I, our friend Aaron Sorensen some help because it's going to be a rough year covering Nebraska sports. Scott Fro- I book it now. Scott Frost is not going to make it to the end of the season. He's not. That's, if, if they struggle that badly against Illinois. Now, Illinois is going to be like an okay team. Brett Bielema is a solid coach. And but, Scott Frost is going to go to Alabama as the offensive coordinator and turn that team into a new like and get a head coaching job. With and then Texas is going country. to hire them after they fire Sarkeesian. Exactly. He'll be an SEC coach in four years after being the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. All right, Matt, that was fun. I enjoy the match. We'll be, we'll be bringing that back for the season. Every week, Matt gives us his predictions. He was number one. (laughs) All right. Speaking of number one, my favorite part of the predictions, the, the superlatives, MVP, offense, defense, team, most in, uh, most improved player, breakout player, freshman of the year. We're going to do all of that right now. Matt, let's start with freshman of the season, offense, defense, quickly. We don't need to go in too deep into this. Uh, let's make it best newcomer. Who do you have as the best newcomer on the offense and defense for Louisville in 2021? I think best newcomer on the offense is probably going to be Brian Hudson because he's he's displayed offense versatility on the line. He can play center, he can play guard, he can play tackle if he absolutely had to. I mean, Scott Tenderfield has, has spoken to him in, in regards as a potential starter, even though he's probably not going to be a starter, but he's going to be the sixth man on the line. If if the if the old line is going to have any sustained success for the year, it's going to he's going to be the X factor. Top newcomer on the defense, I'm going to say probably uh, safety can Derek Duncan. I mean, from, from the get-go, D.C. Brian Brown has said that he's he's going to be an all-ACC type guy. <laughs> I, I still think back to his quote where, like, he looks like Tarzan but doesn't play like Jane or, so, or something Beautiful. to that effect. Yes, yes. Like, he, he's, he's the real gonna, deal. He's the real deal. Uh, they're talking. They're basically talking about him in the same regards they talked about Kytrell Clark last season, which if that should tell you anything, he should be a good player. Absolutely. Okay, so you 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 go with Kendrick Duncan. I told you last week in my predictions that when we did the secondary that I thought Quinterio Cole would lead the secondary in tackles this season. He is my newcomer. The dude looks like a boat, uh, and he plays like a Lamborghini. Like, he is built as built can be, and he runs faster uh, than he should for that hold, time. Yeah, hold on. Did like you just a, make that up on the spot, or is that an actual <laughs> I don't know. He looks like a boat. The dude is absolutely – I mean – how many boats do you see that aren't absolute units? Boats are units, Matt. He is. I mean, unit. I've seen my fair share of fishing boats at a Taylorsville Lake that aren't that <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but uh, but I, I get what you're trying to say because I actually saw the guy in person the first day of fall camp. That dude's jacked. Yeah, you told me you thought he was a linebacker. So it kind of I did thought he was think it was a linebacker. The first time I saw him, I was like, oh my god, what is that? Dorian Jones or TJ or uh, KJ Cloyd like bulking up? What's going on over there? Then I looked at the. Then I looked at the roster and like, oh, that's our that's one of our starting strong safeties. Like, holy moly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna go with Quinterio Cole on the defense. And then on the offense, I have to agree with you, man. I hate to to you know 
go right down the same path as you because nobody finds that interesting. But I predicted Brian Hudson will be a starter by the time the season's in. I don't know where it is. I told you to watch for Adonis Boone on the right side of the line, but who knows? It could be center. It could be guard. It could be tackle. He will be a starter by season's end, and I do think he will be one of the better offensive linemen that Louisville has. Um, so I, I like that prediction. We're on the same page there. Okay, let's go into uh, most improved on the offense and defense. Matt, who do you believe will be the most improved offensive player and defensive player? I, I really hope I'm – just for his sake, I, I hope I'm accurate with this prediction. I think the most improved is going to be Justin Marshall on the offense because he's had not one but two really good camps in a row. He was kind of buried on the depth chart last year. Not only that, behind Tutu and Dez. But, like, the, the way the offense played out with how vanilla it looked at times, he just did not get the necessary targets and the just the opportunity, frankly, that he should have. And he – I think he only finished with, what was it, 87 receiving yards or something like that. Like, something something a starting wide receiver should – a stat that a starting wide receiver should not post, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. He just didn't get the opportunity. Now he's going to get the opportunity, and I think he's he's actually going to see that production come out on the field. On defense, I think the breakout guy is going to be – I'm going to go it, – it's kind of hard to call him breakout because we know what he can do. But I, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, Jack Vigo because we've seen what he can do at safety. How is that going to translate over at uh, outside linebacker? I mean, he, he can play card really well because of his cover skills as his, with his background as a free safety. But from everything that Court Dennison said, he's working his pass rush and he's got the tools. He just hasn't had to, you know, put it out there on display on the gridiron because, you know, he's a safety. He's not a pass rusher. But he, he Dennison's high on his ability. I think he'll he'll play that safe, that uh, that card position well because of his background as safety playing in coverage. So I'm, I'm going to go with go. This is a really tough one for me uh, because there are several options offensively where I think Louisville could go, but I'm going to take Trevor Reed as the most improved. And it's easy to be the most improved when you didn't play the year before. So um, just the fact that he's going to be the starting left tackle from day one already kind of shows that he's the most, one of the most improved players on the, on the team. But uh, this year, you know, there, there will be like the ability to put this year's lineup versus last year's line and see a difference almost immediately. And I think his athleticism, physicality, um, I think it was Yaya Diaby who just talked about how locked in he is and how much fun it's been to go up against him in practice because of how how much better he's been. So I think that for Louisville, he is a game changer on the line. I really, really like your prediction of Jack Fago. Brian Brown said, I think it was Brian Brown, it might have been Court Dennison that said, the closer he gets to the football, the better he is in terms of where he lines up on yep. the field. I really like that um, in terms of a, a most improved. I, I'm going to go with, I, I, I want to say Yaya Diaby, but I just feel like that's the easy answer, and I have a bigger reward for him later on down the line. So I am going to go with Yasir Abdullah. Um, I, know I almost said Yasir well. Abdullah, but I knew you were going to take you're going to take him. <laughs> you know me so well. I, I know he's played well in spurts, but this is where it, it you, when you win most improved in basketball in the NBA, for example, Julius Randle this year, you, you can be a guy that shows flashes here, shows flashes there. But you win the award when you become the well-rounded player. That's where I see – I think we're going to get out of him. He is a guy that's already forced fumbles. He, when he gets on the field, he, he gets tackles for loss. But this year, it's tackles for loss, forced fumbles, interceptions, sacks, tackles. It's all of it. He will be uh, the, the, the best pass rusher or at least one of the top two with him and Yaya Diaby um, on the defense. And I, I think he's going to be a game changer. Okay, Matt, here we go. We're getting into some more of the fun stuff here. Um, who do you think will be the MVP of the offense in 2021? I, I hate to go with the easy answer, but I'm going to go with Malik Cunningham because we, we know what he can do. 
We saw what he did in 2019 when he set the school single season school record for passing efficiency, second only to Joe Burrow. I mean, to throw some turnovers in the mix. And, he, and he, he was not horrible per se. He he set career percentage, uh, career marks in both passing yards and completion percentage, but he didn't get like the national love he normally would have gotten because he just coughed the ball up too much. But I think he's made a concerted effort to cut the back on that this season. Whether or not that translates remains to be seen, but I do think he's not going to cough it up to the level he did last season and maybe even still maintain that level of accuracy. I mean, is like I said earlier, it's it may take a few games to truly develop a rapport with his receivers. But you know what? I'm going to go with Cunningham. It's probably the cop out an easy answer, but I mean, screw it. My answer. <laughs> and I guess that would make me even more ashamed here because I'm going to agree with you because – I, I just the narrative of this offseason when you walk away and you look at it, it is as long as Malik Cunningham doesn't turn the football over, Louisville is going to be an improved football team, right? I mean, like that's right. You had to boil it down to what's the biggest storyline. It's that. Um, and when you look at Malik's stats, you kind of hit on this. He fifth in passing yards in the ACC last year, fourth in touchdowns, fifth in completion percentage, fourth in passer rating. If he if he finishes with somewhere between five and ten picks. Um, and he cuts down on his fumbles and becomes a more improved runner, which I think we've heard a lot about that this offseason. Um, that's one of those kind of sneaky storylines. I think that he is going to be better. Um, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I really don't. Um, but I do think that he is a, a great ACC quarterback at his best. And I think we'll see that this year. And I think that he'll be the most important piece on their offense um, and will end up being the MVP of the offense. Now, on the defensive side, I'm going to go, I think that I know where you're going to go. And because I know that I'm going to go with a different answer and I'm going to go with Yaya Diaby because okay. I talked about it earlier I, I, in our last episode. I think that that by mid season, this pass rush and this defensive line is going to be the, the best that we've seen yet. They're deep. Uh, you have Ashton Gelati, you've got, you know, Jock Turner, you've got Malik Clark, you've got a healthy Des Tell. You've got all these pieces on the defensive line, Dana Kennard, Ramon Purier, Tiberius Peterson that they're fresh, they're healthy, and it's going to allow them to specialize. And I think that Yaya Diaby is going to become a fierce pass rusher. And he, he put the goal out there of 10. I think he gets it. I think he gets it, and I don't think that he leads the team in sacks, which is even scarier, Matt. Hmm. Uh, but I, I think that the, the all-around, uh, when you look at it at the end of the season, what boils down to the defense becoming a top 20-ish defense in the country – top 25 and a top three defense in the ACC is that they get a consistent pass rush and a guy who is always in the backfield. Yeah. I think it's Yaya Diaby for Louisville. And because of that, I think it changes the defense completely. And, and it, and it's because of his ability to do that. He's my MVP defensively. Yeah, no, I, I I'm going to go with another really <clears throat> easy copped out answer, but I'm going to go with Kai, Kai Charles Clark just because we, we saw what he did last season. And, and that was some limited reps with preparation for the actual system. Now that he has an entire year left. And when, when he's already one of the best uh, corners in the last decade in Louisville football history. And now when you add in like his familiarity beyond his own position, the, the sky's the limit with this guy. I mean, are there are there other guys who deserve love on there? Yeah. I mean, like you said, yes, you're Abdullah, Jack Fago, Yaya Diaby, uh, even Ashton Gelati, some other guys in the secondary, Duncan, Cole, uh, hell, even Benjamin Perry. But I'm going to go with Kyle Clark because, I mean, he's probably the best player on the team at this point. So calling not calling him the defensive MP, MVP would just be a disservice. All right, next one. This is a, a superlative you probably don't want to win. I'm going to be quite honest with you here, but I think we oh, need no. to talk about it. 
Uh, and I'm trying to phrase this to where uh, it doesn't become a type of situation where we're talking bad about anybody. Uh, but I'm going to go, what, what's the most disappointing thing of the season? And it can be um, a loss. It could be a player. It could be whatever. I'm, I'm going to go that Tyler Harrell does not live up to the hype that he got this off season. And it's nothing against him. Um, I want to be quite honest because that speed is, is dangerous. When you're talking about a guy running a four two forty, man, you're talking about elite speed, a guy who can take the top off the defense, but he's not proven in his career yet that he's able to stay healthy. Um, and he has two catches across his career, I think for 18 yards. And for me to buy the hype that they're putting out there this season, that's the, I'm not buying award, I guess is what we'll call that one. I'm not buying the hype award, Matt, who is winning the, I'm not buying the hype award for you go in other different directions. I mean, every single position group on this team has been hyped up. But I think that one, and I'm going to sound like an idiot for saying this, but one that might not live up to the hype in terms purely because of depth is maybe the ins- the, the inside linebacker group. CJ and Monty, they're one of the best in the AC. They're, they're probably the best inside linebacker doing the ACC. But behind them, I mean, th- there's not – a lot. I mean, KJ Cloyd, we're not sure what he's going to do. Dorian Jones, we haven't really seen much of. TJ Quinn's a converted safety. You're going to get, you might get in a position where you have to play CJ and Monty almost all the time because of like the relative inexperience of the guys behind them. So while I think that all, most of these position groups, including those two, are deserved of the, the, uh, the height that they get. But in terms of totality, the, the inside linebacker room is probably the one that concerns me the most because of just how like beyond the two all ACC type guys, there's, there's just not a lot back there. Uh, that will wrap us up here uh, for our predictions. I uh, hope you've been tuning in um, both this episode and our schedule predictions, which if you haven't checked that out, be sure to do so. Uh, but now we turn to game one where the football actually matters. We, we talked about it a little bit at the top of the last show, but uh, we will be previewing Ole Miss the next time that we get back together. Uh, Matt will be traveling down there because Matt is the, the best journalist that I know. He'll be covering that game. In person. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are you most excited about for uh, covering that game? Just getting on the road. I love road trips. I mean, I've, it's and plus as a city, I have some familiarity with in Atlanta, considering I lived down there for about half a year covering Georgia Tech. So it's not like I'm going somewhere where I'm, it's just completely foreign land to me. So it, it's going to be exciting to go to my I guess all of stomping grounds, if you want to call it that. You can follow Matt on Twitter at General Wasp. You can follow me at Twitter at Jacob Lane 08. And of course, check out Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, stateoflouisville.com, and all the other shows on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. The next time we will talk to you guys, we will be looking forward to a game actually happening on the field. We'll check you then. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 